I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Dodgers win a tight one. Oh, so, so tight over San Francisco. But now they are the clear favorites, the L.A. Dodgers, to win the World Series. Tampa Bay wins Thursday night football. It seemed close, but it really wasn't. The Eagles did get the cover. That makes it 7-0 going against Brady at night in Tampa during the regular season. Big game of the weekend. NFL, Chubb out for the Browns. This game had many storylines. Now their leading rusher is out. We'll tell you what it did to the line and cover all the games. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Friday, live on 225 FSR stations. Across this great, great nation. Whew. A lot of action, a lot of action coming up this weekend. And we had a pretty big night last night. You might have thought, oh, Tampa had that one easy. Yeah, the Eagles betters got paid. The great equalizer. That's not AJ. He's coming up in a sec. He's not the great equalizer. (laughs) He tries to get the advantage. Forget equalizing. Sports betters listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoff. Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a day where the Eagles' late rally against the Bucks came up just short. The Dodgers eliminate the Giants in somewhat controversial fashion. And we have a great NFL weekend ahead of us. What's the Vegas lead, R.J.? Okay, we're going to start with the Dodgers. But we're going to get the Thursday night game done in the first segment, doubling up and then... Second segment will be the most popular of the week. We cover every NFL game with at least one tidbit. You got to know. I'm going to start asking you the question. We'll set it up, and then I got a question to start on the Dodgers game. LA Dodgers get a 2 1 win on a ninth inning RBI from Cody Bellinger and a controversial strike three call to end the ball game. The, the, the league's best record out in the first round of the playoffs. Okay, so. As a fan, forget the money for a second. Was there anything egregious? Right now, Dodgers are moving forward. We talked about, hey, they're the World Series favorites. Well, let's break it down. In the World Series right now, you got the Dodgers favored, and it's not even close, really. The Dodgers are plus 130. So 100 wins you 130. So they're right around a little better than even money, at least payouts better. Astros are second, plus 225. Red Sox plus 450, Braves plus 550. So that feels tight and all bunched up, but if you bet 100 on the Dodgers, you win 130. Bet 100 on the Braves, you win 550. But still, four teams left, Dodgers clear favorites. Egregious, anything unfair? Fans' perspective. I thought that the final strike call 
was just a horrendous call. Horrendous. So not even Her- close. Not even close. Uh, there were some missed ball strikes. That's going to happen but, in but, every but single let's, game. Let's get back to that. Do most people, and, and back to the, as you say, horrendous call. Check swing. You got uh, both your boys play a lot both of baseball. Both my boys play ball, and you know they were uh, young, but you know pre high school. Well, the oldest one is freshman. The freshman now coming up, but you know travel leagues and all yep. that stuff. Check swing, toughest call in the game, right? Uh, I wouldn't say the toughest call in the game. No, it should, especially well, this is? one. This was not a tough call. This okay, was a, but, but in general, check swings have a lot of. It's almost like a charge block in in basketball. That's fair. Yep. Okay. But you think this one was so wrong, so egregious. Yes. And listen, the guy that the Giants had at the plate, 0 for 17 against Scherzer, it's likely that the it bat matter, wins the it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's likely it ends the same way. But no, but see, that's why we play wrong. the game. Yeah. If we could just look at those numbers, we could say, yeah, imagine if you were like the king of the world. You're like, you know, assume this guy got out. He's 0 for 17. Let's move on. <laughs> you know, there's a cheers rerun I want to watch. I mean, that's not the way it works, right? We so, still have to watch, the, you know, the Jets play the Bills a couple times this year. It has to happen. And, and sometimes, you know, those 17-point underdogs win the game. I don't know if you ever saw Hoosiers. I have, yeah. The hoop is 10 feet, my it man. Is. doesn't matter what your numbers say. We are straight out of Vegas. Would you say the consensus opinion agreed with you on the egregiousness of the call? I think the consensus non-Dodger fan uh, opinion was almost unanimous. Okay. All right. I'm just curious about this. Did I... Baseball is not the number one sport around the offices just because it doesn't <laughs> get bad as much. Did any either you guys see the play in the control room? And what would you think? Exact same. Ernie Johnson called it the check swing heard around the world. It really wasn't close. Immediately, even the broadcasters were like, that seemed odd. Okay. All right. Cody Bellinger was in the post game interview and they said, Cody, what'd you think of the last swing? He went, Right. I was in center field, so I didn't get a great look. Um, called it a strike. It's got to be a strike. There you go. <laughs> now, here's what I would say is my emotional reaction to the game. I like the fact that the best teams make the playoffs. Like I like the fact the Yankees made the playoffs. Or maybe not the best teams, but rather the teams that spend the most money, the teams that care the most. I don't like them always winning at all or even advancing a majority of the time. Like the Yankees getting in and then losing, I kind of am okay with that, right? And I I don't want to have a bunch of no names. That's the challenge, right? Because the NBA laments if it's a San Antonio versus a small market in the East. That was, you know, Detroit, let's say, back when they played. That was a lament financially. As a fan, I'm not as interested in those series either, though I was a Spurs you know, aficionado. I appreciated them. Um, but I don't want it to be the little guy doesn't have a chance because there's nothing worse than starting the season without hope. I mean, the whole point, and that's where the NFL excels. The NFL has gotten big enough that every team has its own storylines. doesn't matter as much who makes it. Baseball, I think it still matters. But I actually don't like the, a, a plucky team like San Francisco that overcame the odds relative to the Dodgers. I don't like that they're losing here. Now, on the other hand, I wish it was more like a Frazier Ali, where when you have two teams in this case that are so close together— and they said, what, over the course of the series, they had the exact, or I'm sorry, the season, the season, they had the same number of wins, right? Because the Dodgers had one less win during the regular season. Now they've played five more games. 
So it's you know I guess the Dodgers had an extra game, so we can you know it's right there where it's like within one game. Now that is wow to think. Okay, these teams have played a hundred and what would it be one hundred and sixty two plus these playoff games, and it's like and their number of wins are identical. But then it's like, what's next? Oh, nothing. One goes home, <laughs> and the other one moves on as the clear favorite, which means unequivocally, if the Giants had won this game, they would have been favored to win the World Series. So the idea that w- one run dictates three rounds, you know, there's two rounds to go, three rounds before a champion's discovered, I guess, or crowned, you'd say two rounds before, but there's going to be three eliminations, right? There's an elimination, the division round, the uh, championship round, the American League, National League will be an elimination, then the World Series eliminates one. So you got like three eliminations to go, but the team that loses by the smallest of margins would be favored if they had just won. Something about that, I guess that speaks to reseeding. What's your thoughts on reseeding? I would like a situation where we get rid of divisions altogether and have a National League and American League and then have sort of what the NBA did where like you've got the top four and then you've got two teams who are the next two teams play in like maybe a mini series where the the NBA has. A division still, because I just catched a twelve to one no, bet. On I know. Phoenix winning I just, division. The way they've done the wild card the last couple of years, where the last two teams it's have a chance ends. to get in, yeah. but you've got to if you're the lower team, you got to win twice. Maybe something like that. Where, but that way, the best team at the top has a, an advantage over you know the worst team, and then if you're the mm-hmm. second best team, you still have some edge. Well, here's the catch twenty two. In general, the divisions were more of a mainstay factor when the regionality of the, you know, where you wanted to play those teams because travel was so much more difficult, you would play those teams more, you would get a bunch of rivalries. I mean, the Eagles and the Cowboys are that because of a division, right? So I think losing divisions I don't like, but I also think that maybe a division winner can sneak in or get in, even though the record wouldn't warrant it. So they're the underdog. They're the bad news bears or whatever. But I don't think that division victory should carry you through more than wins. Like Wins should trump everything, I think, except for divisions letting you at least have a ticket to the dance. NFC East last year. Washington got a ticket to the dance. They shouldn't have had a home game necessarily, but they should have got a ticket. I like that. I don't like divisions being so prominent. So I guess it's a balance between what you're saying. Hey, in a weird way, when there's nothing good left behind, we lament, oh, this is foregone conclusion. The fact that San Fran's getting left behind as maybe the second best team, it could be a negative. It certainly is if you're a fan of that team. Or it could be a positive that baseball is doing something right. Closing thought. Just kind of something that that sums like what we said, where the Giants and Dodgers have about the same amount of wins over the course of the season. The Dodgers' win total preseason was 101.5. The Giants, 75.5. That's why we get into those stories. That's why we don't say that guy's 0 for 17. That is correct. I I like that. And let me do something here. Now, give me those wins one more time. 101.5 for the Dodgers. 75 and a half for the Giants. Okay. All right. So Dodgers were considered much, much better. Preseason, yes. Yeah, I just did that in my head. Good job. And San Fran, <laughs> they just exceeded expectations. That would be one way to put it. And now they're on the couch. Now they're on the couch. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Let's talk Thursday night football quickly. Yeah, the Eagles come back 
almost all the way back. 28-22 losers to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Looked like it was going to be a blowout, RJ. Eagles found some life, enough to cover, but not enough to win the game. All right, so we're going to skip the perfunctory stuff, the stuff that's like kind of obvious, but people feel like, hey, we should go over it. But I want to talk about a couple quick factors here. One of them we can talk about moving forward, so we'll do it just quickly here. Jalen Hurts did not have a good game. QBR 40.2. PFF Gray was under 60. I mean, just a bad game in general. One observation I've got about it, because this is a year of an audition for Hurts. They're giving him this year, it seems, to say, how good are you? One thing I don't hear people talking about is I think they're making it extra hard on Hertz on purpose. And I think it's an organizational decision. And I don't think it's a bad one necessarily. So everyone says tank, 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 bad teams, they should tank. Well, the Eagles don't seem to be tanking. But one of the things that a bad team does is they trade away talent. They get rid of the best players. Well, the Eagles just made a trade, right, for a guy a lot of people know. They trade Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals, although, mind you, now Zach Ertz was a guy whose contract is about to be up, and the Eagles well, have well, made a decision. About, hold on a second. Not about to be up. He's up at the end of the year. Yes. Okay? So the rest of this year, they could have had him. They said, no, thanks. We'll take some future value. Yeah. And, and we don't have to pay you this year. I mean, or the rest of the year. Right. That's obviously a sign of a team that's not focused on this year. Arizona, on the other hand, is saying we'll take on more contract, uh, you know, money. We'll also have an asset that won't be ours to control at the end of the year. But this year, so important, we'll bring it on. Very analogous, like Gilmore going from New England to Carolina. Yes, wouldn't you agree? I would agree with that. Okay, so Eagles look like hey, they're not tanking, but they're not focused on this year. Well, wouldn't another natural thing be let's take away from Hurts one of his strongest suits? Because the story goes today in the modern NFL, the story goes, okay, if you're young, you can throw the ball decently if you're a high draft choice, but you probably aren't in that Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees maturity to read the defenses. You don't have the precision on your throws yet. So what do you do? You compensate by running. If you can have seven, eight, ten plays a game that you run for positive yardage, that acts as training wheels as your precision gets better and your defensive reading or reading of the defense gets better. And then the theory is each game that passes or each month or season, you get better at the throwing. And as you get older, you're less inclined and less able to, to run. So it's like every year. And then by year four or so, the running's kind of phased out, except for the most high-pressure, high-leverage situations, and now you've become a great thrower. If you don't have those training wheels, it's hard to learn how to throw on the job. It's a powerful concept. I think it's true. Except Hertz is hardly running the ball. And if you actually look at the plan runs, they're shockingly low. So why, A.J., would the Eagles not be using training wheels on Hertz? It strikes me there's only one possible answer. They want to see how he can do without relying on the run because they don't really care that much about this year. Thus, if they lose a few extra games, you know what? Hmm, higher draft choice. As long as they grade Hurts on a curve saying, hey, he didn't run. He was this. If we would have let him run, he'd be better by two increments. It seems like a brilliant plan if that's it. You find out how good he really is at the things you're not sure of, his passing. 
and you get a higher draft choice. That is a really smart way to look at it. I, I wonder if that's how they're doing they're it. Pretty smart. You might be smarter than them. Well, I think that's likely true, but they are pretty smart. It just feels like a situation. And maybe it's as much, it's as simple as we want to see what this guy can do with basically nothing. So when we actually do start to give him some things, he'll look even better. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think we're saying the same because thing. Because a lot of guys get thrown into a situation where everything's ideal, Russell Wilson, then when you start to that's, strip... That's rare. That's right. rare. But when you start to strip those things away, it's less rare, though, when you're not a high first-round pick. Like but Russell, but usually the non-first-round picks don't start the rookie year. That's true. But as you start to peel those things away from Russell Wilson, you start to say, okay, can he still do this? Can he st-? And Russell Wilson still is playing at a pretty high level, even without all the stuff, but he's no longer a Super Bowl guy. It doesn't seem... Hurts. Nor does he get MVP votes. No, Hurts, they're saying, listen, you're starting with a bare cupboard. Now make me some dinner. Yeah, but it's one thing with the other players on the field. And then it's another thing is if you're game planning in a way that isn't to win this game, but it's to tell you more about the quarterback, who maybe the most important thing the Eagles are doing this year is critiquing is Hurts, their future franchise quarterback. All right, when we come back, I'm going to tell you one thing about Tom Brady that you got to put in your pocket because it's undefeated in your pocket. Then we're going to cover every other game one at a time, one factor or two, or maybe three if AJ's talkative about each game. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the world. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm AJ Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to give you a key Tom Brady stat, and we're going to take a look at one key factor in every matchup this weekend in the NFL. I don't like to make the audience wait, so I'm going to give them the Brady stat right now. And then I'm going to tell you how successful this show is. I'm going to connect the two in your minds. Great information equals success. Ooh, I like that. Mm -hmm. That's a good lesson to give, AJ. Tom Brady now in his stint with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Ever since he left New England, he's played seven night games in the regular season. 0 for 7 against the spread. We told you the 0 for 6 yesterday and said, hey, this matters. But boy... Oh boy, could it? It was almost like the universe was created just for me to make this point. <laughs> because think about it, they're dominating the game, but then it gets to be late, the kind of time that Tom be asleep. And you know what? <laughs> During that time, the Eagles just come storming back, but Tampa just wins. It didn't feel like they really weren't going to win that game, but it seemed like Tom was logy. That's a good word for it. What do you think? Who taught you that word? I, you know, my mom. Okay, <laughs> but she did it. She did it when I was sleeping. I can with, tell you with you some hypnosis. Me that word. It was like you know, when you're asleep, you follow. Okay, but here's the thing: true or not, it did feel like as the game progressed, Brady's play, or at least what they asked of him, it was like almost like this: if you had heard on the sidelines, "Hey, uh, you know, we would call the play action deep here, but." Uh, Brady's tired, so let's just run the ball. Like, <laughs> would that have been a shocker based on what you saw? No, not at all. And in fact, I think that went into Sirianni going for two when they scored the touchdown to, to that could have that got him within eight, yeah. and they decided to go for two because 
they wanted to make sure that the Bucks felt a pressure to score again and at least try to run some kind of offense rather than just sit on the ball and grind mm-hmm. the clock down to nothing. That might have been a factor in that one, but that was one of the most famous analytic plays or analytically informed plays that three or four years, three years ago, when they were down 14 and scored, Philly was the first team ever to do this. There's actually, and we don't have time today, a clear mathematical reason to do it. And teams that aren't doing it are making a mistake. But that said, if they were on the border, that might have swung them over. It's that kind of information that makes this the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. I could say it's you, it's partially you, but it's that information inspiring you to go spread the word. Eh, Maybe the great personality of AJ and Mackenzie (laughs) and everyone else, but me. We appreciate it, and we're going to keep trying extra, extra hard. The weekend's a good time. You can listen to the podcast, catch up. A lot of the stuff during the week is applicable all the way through the weekend. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. Here in Vegas, on the Strip, 73 degrees. The neon is pumping. All right, RJ, time for the most popular segment every week where we go through every game on the NFL slate and give a key factor in that matchup. Let's start with the game in London. Miami taking on on Jacksonville, the Dolphins' three-point favorites. Okay, the line is moving in favor of Miami because Tua is the name starter and Tua is considered an upgrade, especially how Brissett's played. I think this is a very curious decision. You're going to London. If there's ever you ever hear like bring him back after the bye week. Well, the theory is that nice, comfortable extra time. This is the opposite of that. Let's take an extra short week because we got to deal with this travel. This is a very onerous, difficult week on a player. All the travel, the jet lag, come back again. That seems like the worst week you would ever bring back a, a key starting quarterback. The fact they're bringing him back tells me it's desperation in Miami. And they're probably bringing Tua back a little bit premature. That makes me lean towards the Jags. I think this is a very curious decision. And because of that, it makes me think there's more trouble in Miami than you might think. I don't want any part of Miami. The Indianapolis Colts at home, 10-point favorites over the Houston Texans. You've got one decision to make with a one-win Colts team that's laying doubles? What the H? (laughs) Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? But you know what? Colts have a, almost a 30% chance to make the playoffs based on projections. So I don't know which of these two results, effects we're going to have from Monday night. One could be, oh my God, did we really lose that game? We're really one and four? Oh, I am so sick of this freaking NFL. Oh, what? We got Houston with doubles? We'll be fine. I'm going to be mad this week. It's either you look and say, hey, because we just screwed up, we better get serious. Or, look, we screwed up. I'm depressed. I actually think it's more the latter. I think because they're doubles this week, there'd be a tendency not to snap back to it. Eileen Houston. Money pouring in on the Green Bay Packers as they go to the Chicago Bears, currently a six-point favorite. Okay, so Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, their second string back is out, correct? So, yes. All right. So they got a rookie left. What's that? Do Herbert. All right. Say it again? Herbert. Same as Herbert from the Chargers? Yeah. 
Uh, say, yeah, same same last name. Okay. Well, yeah. Doesn't have the same face. The no, same different beard. different human. Yeah, okay. I thought so. Just like you and Alexander well, Graham Bell. Not the same person. Exactly. <laughs> and he didn't invent the telephone. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> There's an Italian that invented the telephone. You didn't know that? Alexander Graham Bell. No, no. no I, you know what I'll do is is after we do our uh, a news break, I'll play you Tony Soprano talking about it. But anyway, back to this. I see the move because you say running backs don't matter, but if the guy doesn't know the offense, it matters. And to me, it's a rookie, so you could say he knows the offense, but I think that if you really think about it, the rookie quarterback in Chicago Fields, he needs a nice check down. He needs a comforting uh, fail safe, get four yards kind of thing. And I think being on your third running back doesn't help there. I don't love Green Bay. I think they're overrated. But I think this is a bad situation at running back for Chicago, and the line move makes sense because of that. Kansas City Chiefs at the Washington football team, seven-point favorites. Okay. Strength of schedule this time of year really, really matters. Some team, like right now, the easiest schedule that's been played so far, this is the easiest one, has been the Denver Broncos. And think about it Denver undefeated. Now, all of a sudden, they don't look good at all. Buffalo's number 31, for example. Okay, the hardest schedule in the NFL, the hardest so far, has been Kansas City. So, this is a team that could be undefeated. Right? I mean, I guess the Chargers game, let's say they could easily be 4-1. and one. Easily 4-1. and one. You agree with that? I idea? do agree with that. And how, where would they be ranked in the power rankings if they were 4-1? and one? Number one. Right? Well, I guess, let's think about that. Was the Chargers game? No, Chargers, they lost pretty clean, and they certainly lost the Bills game pretty yeah, clean. Yeah, right? I think the 3-2 the and two is probably about the best they could be. Yeah, right so now. maybe that approach isn't the, the best way to approach it. But the reality is, this team hasn't had, you know, you want to call Philadelphia at Philadelphia easy. I don't know, right? I don't know how easy that is. But when you beat the Browns, and... It's just a matter of Kansas City. In our power rankings, we got Kansas City right around fifth. I think that's right. And most teams with a below 500 record are not right around fifth. So I think what that tells you is that, yeah, Kansas City's better than their record, but this quantification of strength of schedule, where it's a mathematical formula, them having the hardest, I think speaks to their way underrated. The Minnesota Vikings, two and a half point favorites on the road at Carolina. Most people that are mathematically driven are going to say running backs don't matter. That's a kind of a catchphrase. I think they're generally right. Pass catching running backs matter more. But I think with Sam Darnold, the McCaffrey matters a lot. And if you look into the stats, not just on the surface, what Darnold was avoiding those first three games was those risky throws in which he just doesn't seem to have the judgment to know to throw it or not, and a Brett Favre could get away with it, but Sam Darnold can't. And the first three games, he didn't have to worry about that. But then, in the last two games, without his blanket, without his security blanket in McCaffrey, well, it hasn't been near as good for Darnold. He shook up, and his performance has been Jets-level performance. McCaffrey's out. I think it could be Darnold in general is always going to be that, but I think he's more 
in trouble, more erratic, more seeing ghosts without his security blanket. So I think it's more meaningful in this game. We'll save Ravens Chargers for later on in the show. But well, not just for any, randomly. Why are we saving it? Because it's RJ's best bet. Yes. Cincinnati minus three and a half at Detroit. All right. Cincinnati is underrated in the eyes of the public. If you just look at their numbers and then you look at their wins and losses, there's a disconnect. They are playing better. They actually were upgraded by most mathematical models for that game against Green Bay, even though they lost. It's, that's how well they played in that game and how lucky Green Bay got. Are they ready, though, to be a road favorite? I mean, that is a different thing in the NFL. If you look at this Bengals team, how often have they been a road favorite? What does that mean? You're away from home. There's distraction. And now the question is, wait a minute, I'm a favorite. That means I'm better than them. I shouldn't have to worry as much. It's a tough balance. A lot of serious teams, older teams, more experienced teams have trouble with road favorites. I think Cincinnati's ability to perform in this spot, the analogy would be how they do as a big home favorite against Jacksonville, not so good. Remember, they were down 14 nothing in that game. That doesn't make me – I lean Detroit, but I think if Cincinnati can dominate here, it will be a sign they've grown up a little bit. Rams heavy favorites against a banged-up New York Giants team, 9.5 at the Giants. So Daniel Jones is playing. I believe that I don't want any part of the Giants because what is Daniel Jones' main limitation? His ability to process quickly this, the rush, the defensive – scheme. He's just a type where when he understands what's happening, he throws the ball so, so well and so effectively. When he doesn't, when it takes him a, a half second, a half heartbeat too long to process, is when he gets swallowed up. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here. When you get a concussion, the cognitive tests they're doing are pretty much IQ tests. They're pretty much how much cognitive ability do you have? And the theory is, after a concussion, you have less, and then as time passes, you get back to where you were. Now, obviously, there's a case if you have too many concussions, it can be long-term effects. I don't think I have any reason to think that's the case here. But if Mr. Daniel Jones is able to pass that threshold, but he's 10% slower just for the next couple of days, maybe, it's like, he, who gets hurt more than that? I think Daniel Jones needs every IQ point he's got, and he still struggles. And this isn't about IQ. It's about football IQ. But he needs every synapse he has in his brain to figure out these defenses. And right now, his brain is impaired. By definition, that's what a concussion is. I don't want any part of a slower-than-usual mentally Daniel Jones. We're going to finish with the rest of the big, big games. And, man, we got Cleveland, Arizona up next first. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. Okay, so we've got this Arizona-Cleveland. It's Cleveland hosting Arizona. Cleveland favored by three. A.J., let me ask you first. You've been talking about the weather and the weather and the weather. How's the weather look in this game? Preview it says 20 mile an hour. The forecast says 20 mile an hour Not winds. Not 19. 20 mile now, an hour winds, despite what Brad will tell you. What, now, what source <laughs> did you have? Weather.com, once again. You know, I keep thinking. I think that feels right That's to my me. trusted source. All right. Here's what I'll say is the weather, if it is that windy, and we'll see, helps Cleveland even without Chubb, though, I think that's a big deal. And by the way, over under for Hunt rushing yards, 86 and a half. 
He averages 64, so obviously he gets more carries. I think for one game, that's fine. If Hunt's out for multiple games, um, or I'm sorry, if Chubb's out for multiple games, Hunt is... He t- tends to wear down. Well, it but, should be noted he's also questionable for this game, too. Well, when they have 86.5, uh, <laughs> he's probably going to play. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I'll give you plus 130 that he plays. No, I, I think that they'll Thank force you, him out there. Force him? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Even if he wasn't sounds 100%. Like a union, it sounds like a grievance. <laughs> but what I'll say, getting back to the facts here, is don't lose sight of Arizona trading for the tight end from Philly. This is a team that's looking to win now. And that psychology trickles down to the players. Some could kind of get started and then say, well, maybe next year. That is not what Arizona's saying. I think you're all in the head. We're 10 hours from the fun park and you want to bail out. They're not. They're in. They're in. <laughs> the Denver Broncos, four-point favorites at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, a lot of stories in the news, and it's the prominent news story in the NFL about Gruden. Don't lose sight of the following. Gruden was effectively the offensive coordinator for this team. So, yeah, all the distraction, disruption, it matters. But losing the main offensive scheme guy matters a ton. The market's moved from three to four on this game. I'm not sure it's acknowledging fully how big of a deal Gruden is. Now, in a couple weeks, they can transition. I think right now, big disadvantage, big disadvantage for the Raiders. All right, when we come back, we got a couple games left, and then just two. Then, best bet for me, best bet from AJ, and it's the best bet of the freaking week. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Before we get into the best bets, let's take a look at the rest of week six, starting with the Dallas Cowboys, three and a half point favorites at the New England Patriots. Okay, so on our podcast, and remember, you can get the Straight Out of Vegas pod. Just search for RJ Bell, Straight Out of Vegas. And when you search for RJ Bell, you might see the dream preview. That's a deep dive we do. You were all over Dallas. You love the square, I think, squarish Cowboys here. Is this your best bet in, in NFL? Yours is going to be in college, but if you had to have one in the NFL. It is pr- likely to be one of my best bets oh, in so the NFL. No straight answer. I'm not, huh? not a straight answer, but here's why. I do love the Dallas Cowboys. I think the market has them underrated. I think Fezzik today told me that he expects this number to move to three if you like the Cowboys. So down from three and a half. So if you like Dallas, wait. It's not a short thing, but you might be able to lay three if you like New England. Grab it now. Fat. And one thing I'll say quickly about Dallas I did a little computation here, which is I said, okay, where does a team rank in offense? Where do they rank in defense? And then I got a little number that says, how offensively reliant are they? So, like right now, the most offensively reliant team is Kansas City. To whatever degree they're good, it's about the offense. The least offensively reliant team is, oh, look at this, Chicago. Chicago is not relying on their offense, they're the worst, or at least the least offense. Dallas entered this year with a lot of thoughts that it was all offense for them. Actually, they're number 17. So they actually rely on their offense less than an average team by a smidge. So all of the difference in what Dallas has performed 
this season, the high level, can be attributed to the defense. Agreed. Pittsburgh, five-point favorites at home against the banged-up Seattle Seahawks. I'm a Steelers fan, but I bet against them more than I bet on them. I would say my record on Pittsburgh games is over 60% because I really am honest about the team, but I follow them closely. I don't like Pittsburgh here. It is a flat spot. If there's ever a time you think, okay, Steelers can take a breath, get this win, they're going to be fine. You're, you're in trouble. Because Tomlin, when their back's against the wall, is amazing. When they have a chance to take a breath, I think they take a nap. I don't know, but I'd be very careful of Pittsburgh right here. I think there's no team in the league more reliant on one player than the Seahawks, but I think the Steelers, too bad of an offense to give this many points. Yeah, I disagree with that in general. I'm not sure. I, I disagree with a couple of things. All right. that, but I specifically disagree that, well, let's just say this. I disagree. Let's do your best bet. In college football. All right. I'm going to go with Nevada minus 14 against Hawaii. Nevada, best quarterback in the Mountain West, maybe the best quarterback in the group of five. And Hawaii is just dreadful on defense. This is a revenge spot for Nevada after Hawaii gave them their first loss a year ago. And Hawaii on the road has been non-competitive. Their only win has been against New Mexico State. New Mexico State, I have power rated the second worst team in now, the how entire many country. Have they play? Three. All right, so they've won one out of three. And it was against the second-worst team in the country. Okay, okay. Uh, Hawaii's got, just got a big win against a Fresno State team that on paper looks similar to Nevada, but they won by three points a game that they won the turnover battle 6-1. to one. Unsustainable. I think Nevada boat races this team here in Nevada. So you, you like laying 14. I don't love it, but I, I, I like laying it here. Well, listen, if you listen to that handicap, you might be skeptical of AJ in college because it's like, boy, that seems like that's where the favorite laying double – this guy last year, 57%. All plays documented. Year before, 57 This is one of the best college handicappers in the world. I mean, I say that objectively, but I don't lay, love laying doubles here. All right, my best bet's coming up first. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. My best bet is the Baltimore Ravens laying the juicy, attractive two and a half, not 14, two and a half with Baltimore. Now, why do I like this? Well, one, I like the number. I mean, what was this number a couple days ago? Three and a half. Now, the difference between two and a half and three and a half, if you are counting on your fingers, is one. How do you do a half? I'm not sure. Okay. But, yeah, it's like the old shop teacher joke. But it, it's, it's the most key number in the NFL. Literally, if you had a bet that was going to lose money minus three and a half, let's say a smidge, you will win significantly at minus two and a half. It falls on three that often. Now, why has it moved? Narrative. And what's the narrative? Oh, Herbert, he's tall, he's strong, he's whatever, steely-eyed. I'm not much for the hero worship of potential. I personally think Herbert is going to be a top-five quarterback. And he may be a top-five quarterback as soon as the end of this year. He hasn't been a top-five quarterback yet. So we're playing this game today. If I could have stock in any player, Mahomes may be first. Herbert might be second. I have that much faith in him. I don't have faith in this team right now being better 
than Baltimore. And at two and a half, you could say, well, he's in that home field. It's like Baltimore's home field is better than average. Now, I think that concerns me a little bit is Baltimore might be a little tired. So what I'll say is, in general, if you think Baltimore might be tired here, I don't think that's wrong. But I think if you add up all the factors, if Baltimore wins by a field goal and we're cashing, We've got the right side here. And I think the Chargers just at many different levels are overrated. Is it, If you actually look at their games, if you're saying, man, imagine what this team's going to be, I get it. If you're saying what this team is, I mean, we've I, I see power rankings I respect that's got the Chargers like 11, 12, and Baltimore 3, 4. When the third best team is playing the 12th best team, you're not supposed to be laying two and a half at home. Best bet, R.J. Bell. That's me. Baltimore minus two and a half. AJ's best bet was Nevada laying two touchdowns. Great week. If you missed any of today's shows, including the the breakdown of the Dodgers Giants and a breakdown on every NFL game this weekend, check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are straight out of Vegas, and we'll be back on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas! 